My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Inga Neves. Uh, Inga, very warm welcome to you and thank you for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Now, Inga is a career coach, director and owner at Scion Mastery, formerly known as Anglislav Education. And this company is the leading provider of guardianship, educational advisory services and career coaching for foreign students coming from all over the world and learning within the United Kingdom. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is skills, because um, the Leaders' Council recently held a roundtable discussion looking at the uh, the skills and post-16 education act and sort of some of the issues around the skills shortage in many industries within the United Kingdom at the moment. Now, um, it's clear, isn't it, Inga, that we have a skills shortage in many sectors. Um, construction, engineering tend to fall uh, within that bracket. And you feel that parents do have a serious amount of responsibility to take um, with, within this situation. Um, so for those tuning in, could you just elaborate on sort of why you feel that they do have sort of something to answer for here? Well, I'm working with a family uh, for the past 20 years and my families that I'm working with all around the world, the international families. And uh, the main concern I have is not children. I never have problem with children, just with their parents. And mainly that they want from their children uh, something very fun, but at the same time that their life will be um, stable and um, uh, confident, and yet they'll be very, very fun. And uh, the emphasis on that job has to bring the joy and fun is wrong, in my opinion. Mm. The job has to bring the living, and the quality and appreciation and respect. Job is not for fun. I wouldn't like to uh, hire somebody who just comes here to my office to have fun. Fun you're having in a nightclub, not at a job place. It's very nice when you are respected at work and you could have a time-to-time tea time conversation which is not related to your work. It's fun, it's very good, but it's not the main uh, determination to go and look for a job. It's interesting, isn't it, that we're recording this podcast on the 17th of August 2022 and uh, Conservative leadership candidate Liz Truss is currently in the news for suggesting that, you know, maybe we don't have the work rate that other countries have at the moment and people are maybe too focused on fun rather than the uh, the hard graft, as it will. So very, very interesting that in and of itself. And uh, I think it's interesting, isn't it, that we're in a country here where children are sort of drilled, it's drilled into children, isn't it, that you can be whoever you want to be and whatever you want to to be and people are going off to university there's a huge sort of um, academia focus in this country isn't there and people are going to studying degrees that don't have any sort of practical value they're not learning any technical skills and they're coming out of university and finding that their job prospects are therefore incredibly limited so do you think that education also has something to answer for there as well well yes absolutely uh, education has to be selective education and especially further education, not for everybody. You have to be skilled and built for study. And actually, academia is not that fun either. It's a long hours of studying, a boring job of reading a lot of papers and writing and writing. And all our students are prepared for that. 
a lot of them actually want to look um, at the um, podcast maybe it's good if they're mm. looking at the podcast a majority of them looking at the cat show in uh, youtube or some rapper doing the silly things right so it's very difficult to encourage kids to do something uh, as boring as reading books reading uh, literature li- reading the science uh, magazines and what are we talking? Everybody has to go to university, not everybody, and not at the same time. So basically, I think that each one, each child has their own roots. And some children, they just need to be breaking from the academia world at the age as early as 13, because they probably don't understand that that knowledge will be needed for them in the future. And maybe they don't want that knowledge. Maybe they want the life of a um, gardener. Why do I need to learn uh, further math if I want to be a gardener. Let him be a gardener. We need gardener. Mm. What's wrong about that? So, but the, the emphasis of the parents that my child has to be the top of the top, but at the same time, not giving them as even a trial of responsibilities. That is a disaster for uh, for a future generation, for the future world. Who is going to run the world? TikTokers? That's exactly the thing, isn't it? Um, social media is something we'll certainly get into um, a little bit later in the discussion, I'm certain. And uh, just sort of dwelling on education for just a little while longer, actually, Inga. Um, you talked about sort of a process of elimination there. And I think what we're talking about, just to sort of um, elaborate for the listeners, is that when you sort of go through an academic pathway in the UK, I mean, academia is sort of the only route forward until your age sort of 16 to 18, isn't it? And by that point, you have a lot of pupils there who've been alienated by academia, not particularly being good at it, and yet are leaving without sort of the best GCSE qualifications because of the way that they're inclined. And obviously, they're feeling, they're left feeling like they're a failure because of it, because there aren't the technical pathways for those pupils to go and really do things that they're good at, to go and make a difference and so there needs to be alternative pathways available and that process of elimination needs to come in earlier doesn't it uh, absolutely but um, uh, i want to correct you because the separation and selectiveness of uh, children who are going to succeed in the uh, um, academia mm. uh, started at, at as early as 14 or mm. even 13. basically at 13 you already can choose what uh, subject you are going to read for gtc and depending on your GCCs, or you're going for A-levels, or you are going to colleges and uh, pursuing the vocational diploma, and you're learning uh, a real-life skills. And uh, it's not a problem about this. Uh, it just doesn't look uh, socially as a successful way. And that's a problem. But I think it's a very good idea to in- implement the test and separation because of the world, how the world is uh, developing at the moment, it requires from us more and more attention. We have a wealth of information and very, very shortness of attention. And the new generations have to be very attentive. They have to have a skill to listen and grasp the information in a feasible light. And uh, how on earth, if you are not uh, able to complete the test in math, during the 60 minutes that required, how are you going to um, absorb the amount of information that's floating on you at the workplace? So basically, you need a different environment. You need just longer time to absorb the information. Therefore, you shouldn't go to academia. You shouldn't be a rocket scientist because mm. you wouldn't be good at That's exactly right. And um, I think as well that the issue that we have here is the fact that these sort of technical career options they're 
portrayed as being much less glamorous than sort of being a social media star or being something else, isn't there? And uh, I think social media does have a lot to answer for in that sense, as well as education, because um, people don't want to go and be a builder or a plumber or something um, of that ilk, do they? And that image needs to change, doesn't it? And there are several ways that we go about doing that. And we need to, of course, look at what social media is doing, as well as obviously the education side, don't we? Why don't we look at the reality of social media and the builder? Builder, at least, um, he can provide for himself, for his family, he could earn money wherever he is in the world. So as a social media specialist, but let's see how they're living. Yes, you can be on a, uh, on the beach in uh, Bali or wherever it is, in a hot place, and uh, resting. But can you really work on the beach? I tried. Never worked. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're in relaxation mode, it just doesn't work, does it? And um, social media really is sort of, it's portraying this message, isn't it, that um, every single child out there, every teenager probably wants to go and be a social media star and be a YouTuber. But let's be honest, I mean, how many of them really have a realistic chance of going and doing that? And then there are probably 95%, maybe more of them that are essentially left sitting on their parents' sofas with no qualifications. And that is a real, real problem, isn't it? And in reality, social media, let's see what is the real, real quality of the social media. The quality of social media, that is not accidental people. They actually put hours and hours in reading, in watching, mm. in repeating, in rehearsing. That's not easy. And the, it's a really romantic idea that you will be found somewhere wiping the, the floor or the tables and you will become a next uh, uh, Julia Roberts or whoever. It's not happening. All that professions that's very glamorous, very intense, and very fun looking at, this requires a lot of dedication, time, and skills. And that skills are nobody talking about with the teenagers. I never say to teenagers that if you want to be an actor or an actress, it's never going to happen. Yes, it's happened. Absolutely, you can. And we start from the beginning. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go on the stage? No, no, no. I'm fear of a stage. Then how could you be an actor? Exactly right. And uh, what we need to be doing, therefore, don't we, is sort of going to children sort of earlier on in their sort of formative years, let's say, maybe at the age of about sort of three, thirteen to 15, and explaining all of this in an engaging way, don't we? We need to sort of change the perception of industry, as it were, because otherwise you're going to get more and more sort of teenagers falling into this mindset that you know these are not the kind of industries that I want to go in it's manual it's dirty I don't want to do it and instead I can live a much more comfortable lifestyle sort of uh, doing sort of social media um, coverage or being a TikToker or being a YouTuber and or doing something else that's sort of more academically inclined so we need to really be going in and sort of intervening a lot sooner than we are doing at the moment here in the UK. Well, some, somehow I find it more comfortable to be uh, on my own uh, sofa bed, paid by myself and uh, earned by my own money than if I were a builder, than to be on my mom's couch at the age of 40 and being a social media uh, star that can't afford their own sofa bed. But everyone for themselves and back to the parents, because it's the parents that's responsible of the pride that they install in the children for any job they're doing, for pride for any job that any person doing. It's much more uh, respectable to do anything than do nothing. And let's see what the um, uh, outcomes produce 
by the uh, someone who is producing the videos of uh, little kittens. Yes, it's fun, but if somebody watching it 24-7, does it really give any joy to people? Is it any, any purpose in life of that people? Anything that you could achieve more than just a, a simple living of a, uh, like an animal? You know? So it's a parent's job to install it in your children, and it's a parent's job to actually install the manners. And I have um, nothing against the negative side of the uh, positive um, attitude towards everything. And what I mean, if someone is screaming in the top of their voice in the street, it's embarrassing. And I believe the parents have to tell all their children that it's embarrassing, it's shameless, and it's not polite, and it's a bad manner. And it's for parents to say that swearing is nothing clever about swearing. Anyone can swear. It's much more brain needed to actually uh, widen your vocabulary, right? Mm. So swearing in songs or swearing in the street is just a complication of a four-letter word. Not much brain needed for that. And why do we respect people who are singing with uh, such a simplistic way of um, using the language? Yeah, I think what we've lost sight of here in the uh, the UK to an extent, particularly with young people, is that sort of concept of doing an honest job, putting hard graft in for a day, um, several days, weeks, months of the year, learning skills and earning your own money. They are things that we can be proud of because we're doing things that are really contributing to society. Whereas you've challenged the fact that it's like if you are making TikTok videos with, you know, cute little kittens or something, what good is that actually doing for anybody? It's not really truly making them happy, is it? It's not doing anything for society. And perhaps that's the kind of perception that we need to be sort of looking at here, isn't it? Absolutely, and the emphasis on that life has to be easy and fun. Why? Mm. The easy life is afterwards, no? It's afterlife activities, easier, right? The easy life is, shouldn't be easy. If it's easy, then maybe it's not that interesting. The hard life making the very interesting, adventurous life. I want to see how James Bond or Indiana Jones had it easy. Would we really watch them? No. This is the thing, isn't it? People sort of crave the easy sort of leisure lifestyle, don't they, that they see on social media more than they value actually going and doing an honest day's work to earn the money that can perhaps have them live that lifestyle. Because if you start your own business and you that business becomes successful and you make an awful lot of money from it, you can go and live that lifestyle later on in life because you'll have the money to do that. But you will have done that through your own hard work and hard graft that you've put in over the years. And that's what people forget, isn't it? They want kind of like that fast track route to sort of a comfortable lifestyle. <laughs> it's very interesting you mention it, but if you look at the people who made it through their business and um, they could go and relax on the beach, they never do. Mm. They actually get to go. They probably die at the business job and they would never, ever stop. Once you have a bag of uh, actually the fun and the adventure and achievement of your own business, you can't stop. Exactly. And there is, yes, you go on the beach and a very luxury beach and for a very short time. They want to be back. They want to be creative. They want to be useful. I think we've got it wrong that easy life is a happy life. What does it mean easy life? Adventurous life is very happy. 
when people respect you and when people need you, when people like what you do and demand you, that is fun, that is interesting. When nobody needs you, when nobody wants to see you, what is good about this? Okay, you're on an empty beach alone. What's fun about that? And how long mm. the fun will be there? Exactly that. I think this the, the sort of comfortable lifestyle, the rest period, um, as you say, I think it has to come as a reward for the work that you put in. And um, these business people that we talked about there, they are the prime example of that. And even when they are having that sort of moment to sort of rest and recharge, they are eager to get back into things, aren't they, really, really quickly because they want to be running their own business. They want to be more creative and they want to be continuing to make that business a success. And I think that hunger is perhaps something that's maybe missing from the younger generations at the moment. And it's it's going to be difficult, isn't it, to try and really sort of drill that back into them to an extent? Uh, yes, but um, I think as parents are responsible for that. If parents are bored with their job and they are saying how difficult it is and they're not appreciating it and you would never go and do what I do, and uh, then children would just repeat because children belong to parents until they're 13. And uh, for 13 years, they told in their head that job is boring, that the work is boring, it's not appreciated. Then how could you expect them to change it? It's they, they, they bred with that. They got that idea with mother milk. So how could you, uh, how could you change it? Or oh, to change it, it will be a difficult job. So why don't we just uh, help the parents to actually see the future in a better, in a better way, in a respectful way? Especially with the COVID, we all saw how important is the cleaners, how important the job that we are calling simple. Nothing is simple. It's not simple to do routine job. It's very difficult. Try to do again and again all the same things and never do mistakes. It's very, very difficult. Try to install in the children the pride of I can do the routine job. Very good. Every single time. Be proud of that. It's a hard job. To be silent, to be doing this all again and again, very difficult. But this is what requires. Even the IT boys, I have, I have an example of a parent who actually don't want their children being IT boys, right? So they don't want them to be a programmer because uh, parents say, oh, it's a boring, a boring life. They will be in front of the computer doing nothing. Yeah. And at the same time, they earn the money. They do what they can do. And the fun they will have in the evening, no? Or in the morning, depending when do they have fun. But it's up to them to find the activities. And I, I am after the concept, don't mix pleasure with work. Mm. If you do mix it, then you don't have a pleasure and you don't have a work. I love to dance. I bet nobody will ever pay for watching me dancing. <laughs> exactly right. And... Uh... It, it's it's so important, isn't it, that people do sort of remember this. And um, I think what's happening is um, parents are maybe sort of giving the impression to their children that going and pursuing these careers aren't just sort of boring, but they're not lucrative either. And the reality couldn't be different because when it comes to sort of remuneration, which again, I think is sort of something which is at the forefront of a lot of young people's minds, you can earn quite a lot of money from being an IT programmer or a builder, can't you? And I think that's something that maybe society is failing to understand in some areas. Yes, we're all born with some limitations. 
right? We all born with some limitations. There are no person without limitations. And the parents have to be realistic. Maybe you want your son or daughter will be a, a super duper singer or whatever, but they can't sing. There is no voice. And doesn't matter how much time they will spend, they, can't, they would never be um, a worldwide singer. There is only so many opera singers we know, right? Why? Because it's only so many of them born with this natural talent. But opera singer probably has no idea about uh, the um, Ruby or Python language, right? So we consider their life uh, um, less successful than some um, some IT boys. No, mm. you have to take in consideration the limitations that a person is born with, and stop uh, stop to leave uh, vicariously through your children's life, your own life that you didn't achieve, that you wasn't uh, built for something that your competitors achieved. Exactly right. I think what we are guilty of doing is sort of giving this impression, and it goes back to what we touched on at the beginning, that we're telling children that they can be whoever or whatever they want to be. Um, But they're ending up reaching for the stars in that way because they've been told that and they've ended up sort of failing and ended up sitting on their parents' sofa without any qualifications because they've not bothered to then go and actually put the work in because they've chased the ultimate dream. So I suppose rather than telling children that they can be whatever they want, maybe we should be telling them, go and be the best version of yourself and do something that you're good at. I think if we should say to a child that uh, they have to do something that's absolutely paying off for their living, that is first and foremost. I think it's very important when telling the children that they have to be useful for the society, at least being independent, the society doesn't need to look after them, that they can look after themselves, not just the society, but parents as well, that they have to be independent human beings. It doesn't matter what they're doing, all their social media specialists or their builders or whatever. They have to be able to provide for themselves. And this is a pride, pride in providing for themselves. And for their family, they will be getting married, children, whatever, and they will be having the pride of providing for everyone, including parents as well. Why not? Exactly right, uh, because there's nothing. There's obviously nothing wrong with having the dream of being something special, but you've got to be able to distinguish that from real life, haven't you, and realise that I have responsibilities, I need to make a meaningful contribution f- to society, I need to provide for myself, I need to provide for my family, and therefore, you know, I'm going to sort of pursue a career that will enable me to do that, and it, that career is something that I'm good at, that I enjoy, and hopefully that mentality, if we start to sort of shift towards that a little bit more, maybe we can start to sort of really address this issue sort of in the uh, sort of the familial sense, the uh, the household side of things. I'm a little bit concerned about I enjoy what I do. Mm. Yes, I do enjoy what I do, but if my emphasis will be find what you like to do and you would never work in your life, no, 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 it's wrong. It's wrong because of a job. Yes, it's good, but it's satisfying. It's very good, and it's a good luck if you really enjoy what you are doing and you are earning the money out of it, but it's not necessary. And I believe that if you are good at something, make sure that you fall in love with your struggle. It's much easier than to be for ages and ages without ability to support yourself, just looking for what you like to do and how to make a living out of what you like to do. You better 
start to like your struggles, but you're good at If you're good at uh, math and accounting, but you don't like this job, but you are paid very well wage for that, start to love accounting. It's much easier than to look for the, how to become a singer if nobody paying for the singing. <laughs> Mm, exactly that and it's also better as well isn't it than you know going and doing something academic that again perhaps you're not particularly good at but you just sort of enjoy doing it and then you're coming out with a degree that isn't a much practical use and obviously then you're finding your job prospects very limited as well so you've got to be you've got to carefully consider haven't you early on as a year as a teenager like your career options and what it's going to ultimately lead to and I think they need quality coaching and intervention early on to be able to deliver that as well, don't they? I think that's going to be hugely important here. Exactly. And this is exactly what's happening in Switzerland and uh, in uh, France, I believe so. Definitely in, the, in Ukraine, that's the case. Uh, mm. At 13, uh, children started to be introduced to the real job. So basically, they're spending, it's a requirement. It's, uh, uh, you must. Uh, you can't avoid it. Of course, a lot of parents, they try to buy it out or try to make it a, a vacation or something. But uh, every child at 13, they have to spend two weeks during the summer at the workforce or in a shop or in a factory um, or even in the street cleaning the street. They have to have a work experience. At two weeks work experience starting from 13 years old. And it's a very good practice. Because if someone's thinking that they would never have to earn the money, they would never have to do anything, no, they have to. And uh, if it works that uh, somebody is affected, see how difficult it is, how um, how strenuous it is on it physically, right? Maybe the brain change and they start to be more academic to actually become someone who will be operating the machines, who will make the machines, but make machines like uh, Elon Musk. Mm. All this changing. Now we are looking to build the machines, but we'll be building a machine. But for that, you definitely need a little bit more attention and not a little bit. You have to build the mental skills and the arithmetic skills, right? Everything digitalized. And uh, you would have to become a lover of uh, physics and math. But how do you know? If you're not trying a hard job, you can you have uh, two ways. Or you're going and uh, uh, learning the engineering from the hand job, right, hand on, <laughs> starting from the uh, pike, uh, using the pike and dig the whatever, right, uh, or you're going academic route and see all of that on a um, uh, paper, learn it from theory, mm. and then go back to the factory, right? So it's only two routes. We are not very creative in a different way, or you're doing it physically, or you're doing it mentally first. Whatever works for the child, better. But the earlier they start to learn, the better. So I think here, government and the educational authorities, they have a role to play mm. because parents, uh, we lose the contact with the children. We give them way too much power, way too much choice. Uh, I heard as silly as uh, when parents divorcing and uh, uh, some advisors asking, oh, do what your child wants you to do. What? You're asking that you're 40s, 50s, what your seven years old wants to do? Mm. We are just uh, somehow merged the difference between adults and a child. Same happening in, uh, in education. Why do we ask children what they want to learn at 13? What do you mean that you will be learning uh, 
simple uh, biology or uh, physics or chemistry. World is not simple and it's not going simple way. Simple uh, knowledge of uh, science is not enough for the future. Yes, the I only thing you have to do, you have to be very proactive and tough parents and be able to say to your child that you are plainly lazy, you will sit down and learn it. But we parents, we stop doing this, right? So we have our fun life and uh, we don't think that uh, we have our issues, right? We want to give to our children what we didn't have in life, but we forget to give them responsibilities. Mm-hmm. We are taking the responsibilities from our children. What are our children responsible for? Have a look, they have nanny, they have uh, cleaners, they have uh, cooks, they have drivers. And what do they do? What responsibilities they have? Tough questions, isn't it? And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we are so, so liberal, aren't we, with children and we shelter children so much that we do take responsibility off their shoulders. And we're asking them at an early age what they want to be and encouraging them to do what they want to do when in reality they might not even know what they want to be at an age so young because they haven't got the requisite skills to really know what they're good at. And that sort of forces them down the wrong pathway early on. And you're absolutely right. Um, because we're not sort of putting them into work experience early enough, I suppose they aren't getting the appreciation for how difficult and how technical and how skilled some of the key jobs in our industries are. And as a result, you're left with a lot of unskilled young people who are dreaming of being social media stars, actors and singers. And these are the people that need to be, you know, building on infrastructure, completing our projects. And that's why we're lacking the skills, isn't it? Yes, and it's a disaster when 21 years old leaving the university struggling to get to university, work hard, finish this uh, funny degree of, well, let's say, feminine studies, right? And then at 21, nobody wants them. Nobody mm. wants to pay for education. And uh, we have 21-year-old uh, who is already lost interest in life, already a loser. What he, uh, what's this person going to do when they will be 40? If you're a exactly. loser already, what's going to happen and the life is long and it's good that it's long and uh, it has to be fun it has to be interesting it has to be adventurous it has to be proactive well it's my opinion maybe someone uh, loves it uh, easier to the state of just lie down and do nothing well yes possible Mm. And we're looking at some action being taken, aren't we? Thankfully, the UK government has brought back the uh, the cap on student numbers for universities, when it, which when it comes to c- certain degrees that maybe don't have the practical value, that's going to be really good to try and sort of cut that side of things out. But I suppose what we need to do is be going further, don't we, in encouraging universities to offer courses that are sort of more focused on the technical and the practical skills as well as the academic side of things because otherwise you're going to end up with a huge amount of uh, sociology graduates for instance and nobody who's skilled in going and building a house for instance exactly that will be very good but one one step at a time is very very good that the cup is in back. It's a really good idea. Not everybody has to go to university, and not everybody builds for that. And uh, the most important, what do we do afterwards? The dream is uh, completely broken after the university, but your your diploma, that's one thing that nobody talking about, because it's still a business, right? And this is the thing about the value of your university diploma, dropping 30%, and the first year that you're not practicing your diploma. 
And how many graduates finding the job in the first year after they graduating? So two years down the road, the value of your three years bachelor's degree is less than 50%. Nobody's talking about this. So mm. when, you, when children going to university, I think this is the first thing that has to be said, that if in a three years time, you're not skilled and nobody wants to take you and pay for you, all these three years, not just a waste of money because the uh, debt is growing, right? But mm. waste of time. Yes, you're not getting younger, uh, though they're 21, but, uh, and nobody wants you. Nobody wants to pay you, and all that investment is half of a value that you actually invested. That has to be told. Maybe then children will start to think, children, they're not children anymore, uh, they're students, they're young people. They start to think about finding the job, not on the third year of university, some of them even not looking for job after in the third year of university. They are looking only when they graduated and they think we will have a summer and then I start to look for jobs. And the clock is ticking. The diploma is going down, value of diploma going down. Maybe if they've been told this early enough, they will start to look for jobs, the real jobs, maybe on the second year of university. Then they will be probably uh, enjoying actually they study much more mm. it's interesting isn't it why are we not telling our young people about these things I mean there's not enough attention on them because this I suppose there's a lot of glamour on academia and what you can do with a university degree and uh, there isn't enough emphasis on the fact that you need to be sort of into a career you need to be learning and upskilling within a certain period of time and you've got to therefore make sure that what you're studying at university is going to have the practical value to get you into a job and I almost think that so many young people that are going and doing various types of degrees they're not aware of this are they they've not been told this and that is also a fundamental problem yes they have no idea I tell you a secret I know why parents not telling this to children hmm do you think as well as parents then, as um, Inga, just uh, to uh, just sort of sidetrack a moment, do you think as well as parents, um, education also has a duty to sort of deliver this message as well? Because I suppose there are going to be instances where in the family environment, this might not be getting across to children. So I suppose there needs to also be some responsibility elsewhere as well, doesn't there? Oh, absolutely. For educational authorities, it's much easier and better for them to tell it. But uh, probably for them it's not good to tell because they're still having uh, the fees paid, right? They still already paid the more students, the better for academia, right? Mm. So why would I tell you don't go to university if you don't know how to use your degree if uh, I'm cutting off my uh, salary? So that's complicated as economical issues. But why parents not telling it to their children? Mm. Because they're scared of their children. <laughs> and it's staggering isn't it that we have come to that point in um as a society i suppose so th there's a there's a lot of fundamental things that we do need to resolve isn't there um not just of course how liberal we are with children but also sort of how education sort of brings um sort of the the, the technical pathway into sort of the uh, the curriculum there's a lot to look at a lot to uh, sort of um, examine across the uh, across the board um and we've talked about of course the uh, the university cap coming back that is a start but just before we finish up inga actually um from your perspective 
what is the next big piece of action that you sort of want to see ministers taking to really address this issue? What do we need to be doing in the next couple of years? Because the statistics are showing, aren't they, that job vacancies are at a record level and it's only going to get worse. Compulsory um, job placement starting from 13 years old and increasing in timing uh, over the years. So basically two weeks over the, when you are 13, one month when you are 14, five weeks when you are 16 and going on. Basically, work placement is necessity. It is Personally, uh, when uh, I have a student, like mature student, uh, university student, and uh, they struggle with the uh, studies, uh, I start from uh, from one thing: uh, what is that that you think that you will be taken over work? And quite often, they're just giving all these uh, uh, loud words because I'm creative, because I'm special, a creative. What do you mean creative? I'm creative too. So they don't see the competition for the work. And I think if they were to, in, to be introduced to the stability um, of the interview process mm. and selection process for the job, maybe they will shape up. They just, they just think that they will be taken simply because they are such and such parents, son or daughter of... Um, famous parents or uh, wealthy parents or whatever, uh, or because they are poor or because they have um, certain attributes, but nothing about the attributes of parents is actually related to them. And uh, they're missing the fact that actually now everybody wants a worker, employed person for their skills, for their abilities. What are you going to deliver to me that I'm prepared to pay for? And if they know it, Maybe they will use the three years of a bachelor's degree differently. Yes, absolutely. Maybe if they are sort of aware of, you know, what skills and what competences are valued in society, they have appreciation for a hard day's work and, you know, they've got experience of the interview process, again, from sort of job placements earlier in life. Maybe that will sort of give them the requisite skill set to succeed in later life. So a very, very fascinating suggestion. And let's see just whether or not ministers do sort of cotton on to the opportunity that there is there, Inga, because it can't come a moment too soon, can it? We do need to, to see real action on this now, whatever the government decides to do, don't we? We certainly do. Um, Inga, thank you for taking the time to join us on the uh, the podcast today. I mean, it's been so, so um, eye-opening and fascinating to sort of hear your point of view on this because the skills gap is a real topical matter and issue in this country that does need to be sorted out. And um, as, we, as I've said before, I mean, it, that intervention cannot come a moment too soon. And uh, um, I think it would be fantastic as well when we do start to see and what type of action Boris Johnson's successor as Prime Minister starts to take on the skills issue to even maybe catch up and just sort of see what is going on and um, assess exactly what they are doing. And hopefully, you know, it's tangible action that's going to make a real difference. I hope everything will be changing for good because we are uh, are the top leading countries in the world. So if not England, then who? Exactly right. absolutely everything and if we are not sorting this out who would 
Exactly. If we're going to be that truly global Britain that was sort of sold to the population by the Brexit dream, then we've got to look outward and we've got to lead the way on skills, haven't we? And show that obviously, you know, we have that population here to sort of deliver what we need to see in the world. Um, Inga, thanks again for taking the time to join us on the show. It's been amazing having you and uh, by all means do take care and stay safe with all that's still going on as well. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to look to. Bye. Bye goodbye, Inga, and uh, thank you everybody as well for tuning into the podcast today. And I do hope that you thoroughly enjoyed a very compelling interview there with career coach, director, and Scion Mastery owner Inga Neves. And to remind you, if you are the head of an organisation or you run your own business and you feel that you have your own story to share with us here at the Leaders Council, or indeed your own contribution to make on the issues we've discussed today, then you too can apply to be on our program via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. And until next time, to all of our listeners, you've been tuning in to the Leaders' Council podcast and I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Take care all and goodbye.